0: Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP and your all around hiring guru. And today I am super excited because we are recording our 100th episode. And so we are doing this with a panel of extraordinary experts to talk to you about the future of hiring. So let me introduce to you our panelists today. So first we have Kent Billingsley who is the author of Entrepreneur to Millionaire. And you also run a company called revenue growth companies so your specialty is really just scaling those businesses and helping them grow and then next we have robin Fittis, who is our guru when it comes to hr she's the director of hr with venture metals and just an amazing hr person going to talk to us about some of the trends that are coming up here in hr today and then finally we have juan fernandez who i've just recently met and i'm just like so just like intoxicated with his knowledge um but he is a forbes council member uh, technology council member and so he's here to talk to us a little bit today about what the hiring the future of hiring looks like when it comes to technology so panelists welcome to the <laughs> we are vip podcast thanks, thanks for can, having us yeah thanks for being here on such a special occasion <laughs> You know, our studio's kind of gone all out today. Yeah,
1: That's for, uh, great.
0: Yes, yeah. And and so, and because we're doing a panel today, we also have our live audience here, with just a plethora of our clients and even our teammates and just everybody here to kind of help us celebrate as well, and to also learn from you guys today. So, one of the things I like to do when we first get started, because I think it's so important, and we were talking about this earlier, Juan, is. Mm-hmm. Um, I I like to let the audience know how we get connected because one of the things that's become so apparent to me, especially during this pandemic, is that it is so important to have a network and use a network and you need to have that network before you need to use it. Right? This is like the message that keeps coming back to me over and over and over again. So I'd like for each of you to share how we got connected and why you're here with us today on the We Are VIP. Kent, do you mind starting?
2: Yeah, I believe we met at uh, Success North Dallas. I was uh, giving the keynote speech about a month ago, and yeah. uh, you came up to me afterwards and said, wow, let's talk and, uh, and let's have a conversation around how do you scale up organizations? How do you create business wealth inside a company? So that's where we met, and uh, I've, uh, I'm really excited about our future relationship working together.
0: I am too. And So an interesting side note, Bill Wallace, who's the founder of Success North Dallas, yep. was actually w- the first guest I recorded with. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he like totally flummoxed me because he took my notes and he looked at me and he goes, we're not doing any of this. And I'm like, it's my first show. You know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> so that was a real interesting day for go. me, but we got through it. So Robin, how did we get connected? So interestingly enough, at my previous employer, Joe and I had connected to form a relationship with, with that company. And then Joe had reached back out to me and I actually had been laid off And, um, you know, we connected and it was wonderful for me about who you know, right, Mm -hmm. talking about networking and um, that's how I met you Yep. because you came uh, to my aid, which was very um, appreciated, but also um, a wonderful aid in getting me connected to the Who You Know Network. So and, you know, we've been connected ever since and happy that you're working with me now even more, <laughs> so. I hope to, that I believe, so a couple of things there, but I know, I'm so glad
0: that you um, connected with the who you know and that you found some service with them. Cause that's one thing we like to do at VIP is really not just be your only resource, but to provide you with other resources, you know? And so that's been really, a really good relationship. But I want to say thank you to you too, because you have been so good to help me like when I've been called to be on, you know, the news on HR topics and I'm like, Robin, what do I say? And, and so a lot of the words y'all hear me saying on Good Morning Texas, that comes from Robin. So just so you know. And, and, and the person that introduced us, our business development manager, I just want to kind of call him out, Joe Nanez, because he's the one that heard your need and said, let me get you connected with a recruiter. Right. And so I think that that's so important that we're so you know, intent on building up those relationships at VIP, not just you know when we can make a dollar, but when we truly want to help somebody.
3: And you you can tell now that I've had the benefit of being actually on both sides of the relationship. um, There's the reason I I continue to call you first um, because of just that philosophy. I love
0: it. I love it. And it's across the board. That's you know, that's pushed from the top down. So you'll get that with any of our recruiters or business development managers that you work with. So one Now you and I, even though you're local, we, are. we got connected from somebody way far away.
1: Way far away. How did way we get
0: connected? Away.
1: So, we got connected. You know, as technology shrinks the world, right, during the pandemic, everyone <laughs> went virtual and everyone was on video. And I speak quite a bit in, in many different conferences. And I was chatting with a friend of mine and he said, You know, you really got to meet this really special person.
0: Now, where does this friend live?
1: I, I believe he lives in Washington.
0: I, I think it's Connecticut, so there isn't it? <laughs> yeah. You're right, you're right.
1: And so, he said, You got to meet her. This is an amazing person. You need to talk to her. And so when we connected and then we hit it off and had an amazing conversation and and connected on you know we're both working on books yeah so that was an amazing opportunity and so it was really an honor to meet you and really uh hear a lot about some of your thoughts and then also learn about your organization so that's how we landed here
0: i love it and i just really think we have such a strong panel here today to give everybody some information about you know the future of hiring and what it's going to look like so i can't wait to get started are you guys ready let's do it let's do it yeah. so a recent study by stanford of sixteen thousand workers showed that working from home actually increased productivity by 13 yeah. percent you know and i i can tell you i've seen that i i do not doubt that for a second so as vaccination rates increase and COVID spread slows what does this mean for returning to the workplace, and how are employers adapting to these changes in a way that benefits their businesses, but also the employees? I think, and, and Robin, I think when we started, first started talking, you guys have some interesting things that you're doing as your people are coming back
3: to work, or y'all have been at work the whole time, right? We have. We're an essential business, so we didn't close a day. So we've, we've maintained and we've had to maintain on site because of the nature of our business. So we've had to be a little creative. Um, we are in our corporate office in particular, like most corporate offices, you know, a little bit of office space and a lot of cubicle world. So, you know, trying to make sure that we were able to maintain the business but maintain safe space. So, you know, um, where the positions allowed, you know the staggering of schedules you know um, if you could be here Monday Wednesday Friday the person in the cubicle next to you would be here Tuesday Thursday um, we had you know hired a cleaning crew who comes in twice a day so oh, wow! and we've kept that up you know we found that it's interesting and I think this probably bears out not just in our location but I've seen other studies you know our sickness rate has gone down like we have much less absenteeism from sickness recently so interesting wow. one of the side effects is I don't know anybody that had the flu this year, right? Um, and so we don't have the common colds that you know people are dealing with. You know, most of us, I think, in this room, I'm not from Texas, but the allergies he- here are a killer. <laughs> but other than dealing with that, you know, so just trying to space it out, keep you know um, cleanly, cleanliness is one of our priorities. And now, as we're all coming back in, um, we are all coming back in. You know, we're we're making sure um, that we have again still cleanliness. Um, we are just talking about removing the masks, but right now we're still masked. Mm-hmm. If you're in a, a space where you can stay away, you know, six feet that social mm-hmm. distance, um, you can be unmasked. Um, however, most of us now are vaccinated, so we're talking about how we bring those that. That coverage of the vaccine into you know the workplace to allow for some more freedoms mm-hmm. um, to go unmasked and and you know but still respect others who may not have an opportunity yet to be vaccinated or maybe have some you know particular personal beliefs about the vaccine so we're working through it it's uh, on the table right now
0: interesting and I love that you talk about that hybrid model that <clears throat> and I think we're hearing a lot of our clients that are going to that hybrid model. Just so that they can do the spacing and stuff like that. But um, also, in one, this is something I saw the other day. Um, you know, there, whenever we go to like our networking event, there is this full size thermometer yeah. that you walk up to, you put your forehead up to, and it tests you, you know. And so, I mean, where does technology play a part in this?
1: I think it really proved that we can work from home. I think that the pandemic really showed that. You know, as much as businesses had to mobilize and get home quickly, they realized that there was things that they could implement to do that safely. And it it brought to light a lot of opportunities for organizations to realize that technology wasn't necessarily the thing that was holding them back. Mm -hmm. It was more of an internal culture or mindset that was really kind of doing some of that. And so now that we've proved that we can work from home, it's easy to see how the technology was there for us to adapt to this opportunity. And the work from anywhere model I think is really gonna change businesses for the future. I, I think we're gonna see a lot of the millennial market space that's gonna require that hybrid learning or mm-hmm. hybrid working environment where they're gonna have to have some sort of in office and you know, work from home scenario. And we see it in technology. Our primary objective is to mobilize companies to enable the remote workforce and implement the security that allows them to do such. And, and truth be told, we can do it in a way that allows them to freedom and autonomy to create that work-life balance that creates employee retention and allows them to actually really have a better quality of life so i think for everybody that's here yes i'm we love the fact we don't have to wear the mask but also i'm sure everyone had that elation to know that i don't have to go to the office every day and i think that for some there is a structured aspect of i want to be in the office but for many there's. I really started to enjoy being home, right? For me, I've been working from home for years, so it hasn't been a big shift for me, but now everyone, I think, is starting to see that there is a light there, so.
0: Well, and I think for a lot of people, at least a lot of the candidates that I talk to, they're, you know, yes, they don't really want to go back to the office full-time, but they miss that social interaction. I agree. So I think that, for me personally, that hybrid work model, mm-hmm. I think is what we're gonna see coming out in the future. And, and you just wrote a book, so did you touch on any of this? What, what, what's your thoughts?
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a whole chapter on uh, what I call talent optimization, which is how do you get the most out of your workforce without grinding them, killing them, <laughs> and, and uh, abusing them. But really, how do you identify talent versus just hiring employees? How do you identify talent, and then allow them to work together in whatever structure that makes sense uh, based on the job design and the work and the, and the production. Um, I, I love remote for a lot of reasons, but it's got its downside. When we get into creativity, brainstorming, uh, strategy work, uh, that's really hard to do remotely. The other side of that, as a leader, uh, I need sometimes to see the nonverbal actions. I need to be mm-hmm. able to see everybody at one time to see how much of the group is picking up on a particular subject, I just left uh, giving a presentation and I really needed to see everybody in the room who was on board, who was connecting with the concepts versus I knew they were present. So I, I like that we have flexibility in our models and people are learning to do that. We just need to understand the positives and the negatives to optimize those talent and allow them to work inside that system.
0: Well, and I think one thing I love, because I, I have a hybrid model with my office, but one thing I love is, like, when we're sitting what we call our bullpen, because we're, so we're in sales, we're recruiters, right? And, you know, you hear somebody say something, and then somebody else plays off that, and somebody else plays off that. And I think that's really what builds that camaraderie, is that, you know, we're all just kind of listening in to each other and then commenting, even if you're on the phone, we comment sometimes. But I think that builds that camaraderie. So would you agree with that, that, you know...
3: The hybrid model, I think, is here to stay. I know for us it will be. I know we're, we're moving to it. And I think the other thing, just not the camaraderie, but there's a benefit of being next to the decision makers that you work with. So, you know, me being able to walk into my CEO's office across the hall and saying, hey, Mike, I have a thought versus sending an email we have so much more email now being remote, which is yes. kind of the cutting, you know, the other edge of the sword with it. So, you know, trying to get the communication across when you can just walk across the hallway. So I'm, I'm happy to see that we'll, we'll maintain the hybrid. Like you said, it's a retention tool, um, but to be able to have that kind of immediate access would be great too.
2: In my opinion, let the situation or the objective drive the model because uh, Parts of my career i've worked on uh, the strategy side of business it's very dynamic it's very quick there isn't time to schedule a zoom call in two days uh, we've got to make a call we've got to uh, design the tactics to fit the goal or implement the strategy we need to get people in the room we need to go down the hall get authorization we mm-hmm. need to talk to this person right now so i love that model in some cases based on workflow and job design but other times it's an inhibitor uh, and people need to be there physically or at least even in the meetings have the hybrid where a few people can be on the Zoom or whatever platform, but you've got decision makers or people that can resource allocate inside the room to get things done because any time that these models slow down or inhibit uh, the ability to optimize or be successful, then it's a failure point.
0: Absolutely. And I just kind of wanted to go back to what you were saying about, you know, having access to your decision makers. I'm sure I've got my managing partner sitting in the office today that they're probably glad I work from home two days. So because when I'm in the office, I'm always like, hey, Mike, here, you just pop it into their doors. But they, you know, it's great because they keep that open door policy for us. So. All right, so let's go back to technology for a second. So since the pandemic hit, the United States has added 14 million jobs to the economy. That's amazing. As recruiters, you know, we've been busy getting people back to work as quickly as possible. Um, Many of our clients use video interviews um, as part of their onboarding process. And, you know, and I guess my question is, do you think that video interviews and other e-hiring practices have a place in the future? absolutely
1: yeah i I would say that that's probably the case and as much as i am a people person and i i like you love to read people and sit down with individuals that i'm hiring or looking i'm looking for styling cues i'm looking for uh Mm -hmm. the way they speak i'm looking for the way their body language reacts i'm looking for everything when i'm interviewing something somebody you really can't pick that up as much over video you can't see the nuances that are going on in in the resolution of, of sitting in somebody's bedroom. There's so many things going on. There's a cat in the background. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of different things that are detractors from the interview process, mm-hmm. if you ask me. Um, so as much as I am for technology and moving forward and utilizing that medium, there is still something to be said to in-person interviews. Um, maybe that's just me being in it, the way I am, but I do believe that it is here to stay there's yes. no no because you're gonna you got a workforce now that can be global right if you got a remote workforce availability you can hire somebody across the globe now and there's no way you're going to be able from a cost perspective to fly them in to get them in person but for all intents and purposes I, I i still see a value in the in-person interview process i mean your thoughts
3: no i agree we're, we're going through that right now <laughs> as Casey you knows, she's helping me with a search and you know, this is a COO position for us. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of our chief officers. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're able to look across the country yeah. now for candidates and have that initial connection, yeah. right? Without having to bear the cost of a flight and hotel and, you know, all the other expense, yeah. at least to get to know initially, is it a great, a great potential it, fit? Mm-hmm. And then we can go, okay, you know, this, this moves to the next right. level or not, yeah. um, and, you know, Depending on the level of position, I think we would use it more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, for all the hourly workers in our plants, we don't do this at all. It's all in person. But, you know, staff level and up, we've we've kind of used it as a mixed model, a hybrid model.
0: Well, and I happen to work with a client that is actually onboarding or interviewing, virtually interviewing and onboarding 100% mm-hmm. virtually. And, and they've done a fantastic job with that. So, and, I, and that may not be the model that everybody wants to use, but I think it can work for sure. But I have another question about the hiring tools and technology that might be used. And, and I think, Juan, this is something you might know about, but I have read recently that there is a technology, it's a video technology that's come out and I can't remember the name of it and I apologize for that. But it's actually, you're not talking to a person, you're actually talking to AI. And as you're talking to AI, it's scanning your micro expressions. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: I do know. I do know what. It, it, there's a lot of new technology that is being injected into the hiring process that surrounds artificial intelligence and, and reading facial features and and my and mapping the body language of the potential candidate. Uh, this has been around for some time. It's been used a lot in, in test taking, uh, electronic test taking mediums mm-hmm. uh, in the past, but never full blown AI. Now um, they're starting to really look at using AI in these these mediums and there's a lot of problems still with it. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily ready to go. Um, there is a lot of unconscious biases that are placed on candidates because of the way they act. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities, you know, let's say that I have a nervous tick and I make certain movements whenever I'm having an interview, I'm not necessarily nervous, but AI may perceive me as such mm. and then rank me in another way of candidate. So there are still things that need to be done there. And I think that that's where I think technology separates itself from human element, is that we can, we're can we a better judge of character than a computer can be at this particular moment. Not to say that it won't be in the future, but right now I, I think that it's just not quite there. But it is being experimented with it quite a bit.
2: Absolutely. You, you know, on that note, and <clears throat> I've been building organizations for... I don't know how many years, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I recommend to my clients, get use all the data points that you can get. I mean, if you can mm-hmm. use AI or, or whatever, or you screen them through a, a video conferencing tool, I, I recommend as many as you can get and then put them together to help the stack rank which which candidates make the most sense. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, is when companies rely too much on the AI or yeah. too much on the screening video or some of these other things, they don't look at the uh, candidate holistically. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll just share with you, I've had candidates and w- watching employees, they were great on Zoom and they were masterful. Then they showed up late, uh, they looked disheveled, they had an excuse why they couldn't find the office. I mean, all of a sudden, it just started to take a dirt road. And, and if this company would have hired just on the video conferencing tool, yeah. it would have been a disaster. So holistically look at the data points, yeah. use those that make sense, but don't gravitate too heavily toward any particular uh, approach.
0: Yeah, you know what, and I'm so glad that you said that because, you know, pre-pandemic, you know, as recruiters, our clients hire us to go find them talent. And I could not imagine a time when I would not meet a client or a candidate in person before presenting to my client. So that was a real mind shift for me to have to get to that point because I knew I couldn't meet my candidates anymore and still trust to present them to the clients because you learn so much about people when you meet them in person and you know if they're gonna be a fit for your client based on that interaction. That's so hard to tell over Zoom or just a phone call. So I couldn't agree with you more on that. So anything else as far as technology that you guys see coming up in the future that could transform the way that we hire?
1: I will say I've seen a lot of very interesting things i'm always looking for the perfect fit and since i'm in technology i'm i'm always looking to align people with their passion within technology because there's a lot of people that are very passionate about technology but maybe not that's not their core driving perspective of who they are and when you place them there they may not necessarily be happy with that position Mm -hmm. so we're seeing a lot of technologies that are diving deeper into candidates and what the actual (coughs) core components of their uh, lives are and there's some very interesting software that i've stumbled across now a couple times and i'm just shocked by it because it it's starting to measure people in a much different way and aligning them with the way other people are going to work well with them and creating these these very positive team um, matrices and and seeing that and looking into your point ken the data points watching Mm -hmm. how you can actually build a successful team through the use of technology before you even hire somebody or even knowing if they should be even part of your organization was mind-blowing to me because we've used that, me being a leader, I've always wanted to make sure that I'm an effective leader. So knowing what my strengths are, we did the similar exercise and recognizing the same leadership teams that we had just by luck built was exactly what this said we would be super successful doing and we've been really successful by it and i will say that i think that's going to play a lot into how people hire in the future is whether or not people work well with them and i, I just don't think that that's become mainstream just yet but watch for that i think that's going to come out
3: well i would say as an hr professional that cuts very yeah. <laughs> boy, that cuts very close to a line yes it does um, because they've been doing, you know, psychometric testing for decades mm-hmm. now, and so you know, very large companies have done it, and very large companies have been sued for it and had to repeal it because of the bias created. Understood. So it's it's interesting to me because, quite honestly, how do you how do you know that one person's answer to a, a question? So right. Though I know I've designed some of these tests myself. Um, Indicative and do you do you end up with a group of like me's so do you end up That's with true. group think right? How That's do true. you how do you? Great you're successful boy. Could you be more successful if you actually <laughs> had someone didn't fit perfectly right. because they're they're the Challenger right? right? They're the ones that make you think outside of, of your normal thought processes So as an HR professional. I've used psychometric testing for years, and I've also stopped using it because of the results, so mm-hmm. to have AI or technology do it with no interface is actually kind of scary. Yeah, I would find that not to be something that I would trust immediately.
2: Uh, on another note, what I'm seeing that's done manually today and not very well uh, in, the, in the search uh, process is understanding the candidate's digital twin how are they operating and thinking and acting on the social media sites and who really are they? (laughs) You see that person at work in their outfit and how they talk, but then all of a sudden at five o'clock they become this other person. Mm -hmm. And um, where I sense a need for technology down the road is to get the, first get the manual effort out of it. I gotta go dig through the Mm -hmm. sites and look for people and then read their blogs and all that. I mean, that's terrible but then also create the algorithms that start to map a person and kind of who they are. Mm-hmm. Now that, that might seem a little <laughs> out of bounds, but it's being done today <laughs> yeah. uh, by humans, and you've got to do it because there are people that uh, are Jekyll and Hyde's uh, that you hire, that are, can be scary. Um, but I would just like to have a profile, some mm-hmm. have some sort of software tool that gives me a profile of kind of this person's you know, holistic view, um, and and i know there's a dark side to technology that that's the one problem i've been in technology 35 40 years there's a dark always a dark side but i think if used properly we can also get that better fit Mm -hmm. uh, because i have clients that want a certain work profile but they also want a certain kind of philosophy profile too and in private companies they still have a lot of choice in that regard Uh, but i'd love a software or tool that would help kind of See that digital twin or that uh, social media mm-hmm. construct out there?
0: So I, I think I stumbled across a company that does that. Mm-hmm. That goes out there and before you hire, which I know you're going to be like, no, <laughs> but, but they're out there. Doing, there any
3: here
2: today? Well, <laughs> I like, just going <laughs> no, <laughs> it,
0: but, but they yeah. go out there and they yeah. look at all your social yeah. media and they come back with a profile for the hiring company. Yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: i think there is two things to note there and just i want to just put this in there real quick is that we are dealing with digital transplants and digital natives right so when you're talking about two separate people that live a life outside of the digital means this is the older gen x and gen y generation right and mm-hmm. then you got the millennial generation that actually is very aware of their social media and what they're about and their causation and what they're doing and who they are on their social media sites they're well aware of what that is so i mean you're gonna where we see this play as two separate people that are very polar opposite in the social media world versus their work lives is starting to turn a little because they're so self-aware on the younger generation that that is their life and i think that you're starting to see some of that, so it may it may it may cross at some point, but it may be a while.
3: But I think also this the younger having four children, <laughs> all of them on social media, yeah, just as a parent. Yeah, we don't have them. Yeah. Um. I and just I don't for my own practices. I don't ever go into people's social media. Yeah. When we're we're doing backgrounds, we don't ask for that. Really. Um, no, not at all, and. Um, heads up everybody recruiters do (laughs) (laughs) we don't (laughs) I don't but here's the thing I think social media is a very curated Mm -hmm. media and so yes the younger generation are better at curating Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that that's really them
1: that's true they're very
3: good at curating what their media looks like I have a child who has a professional IG page Mm-hmm. And you would think she was the greatest child. Well, she is. She's mine, but... Careful, she
1: might be um, watching.
3: But no, I know the, the truth. She's 17. There are some dark days, but uh, I love her. But I would I would say, you know, social media is just a curated vision that people yeah. want to see. Maybe the Gen Xers like me. Yeah. Um, may not be so into curating right a little more true to who they are but um, With the younger ones, I would say I see a lot of curation and a lot of filtering Yeah, that I don't know
2: necessarily would let us see so in the process because I help hire thousands of people um, In some ways I'm using <coughs> social media to validate what I'm being told and, and and I see this on the resume and they said they've done this and they've been here and then I go out to their Social media, Facebook, well, they never lived there. They never did this. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, I'm going, okay, my two data points aren't coming together.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. and, well, I have done and, that on
2: LinkedIn.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will say that's the social media I do use. Well, and, and, and that's
2: my point yeah. is, and, and I don't tell anybody you have to use social media or how far you should go. <laughs> it's just another tool in the toolkit. Yeah. And, 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 again, if you can get that holistic view because... You don't want to make a mishire, you don't want to get it wrong. We Mm -hmm. want to find the perfect candidate, get it on board and get them productive as fast as possible. At the same time, if you make that mistake, and and I'm just going to say this, I I don't know if I created it or who who I borrowed it from, but I think the resume is the greatest form of false advertising in the world. I, I, I now in interviews, I have to ask two questions I never used to have to ask before. And that is, is everything on your resume,
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and is everything up-to-date and accurate and I will tell you how many times I get no so you're not working there today and it says present okay what's missing on your resume I mean all of a sudden now the, the whole interview process yeah. opens wide open because they're presenting me this document that's false or misleading mm-hmm. or has holes mm-hmm. and, and now I'm going all right now where are we gonna go from here because I'm putting so much trust in you and I'm gonna allow you into the corporate entity that you're gonna have access to passwords and and, and administrative rights, and yet you're lying to me or presenting false information in the interview, we have a problem. And so I need those data points to validate and, and look up and prove that just because of where we are today. The other thing is title inflation. I found somebody the other day I was reading through their resume and I <laughs> worked so in case y'all you can work, hear this. Everybody in the office
0: is laughing. And you worked not You honest. worked
2: for me. I never gave you that title. <laughs> and also they were VP and I were like barely made director. Oh, no. And my head just exploded because that's where we are and, and I think we need more perspectives and more information to make that really smart, intelligent hire. And those people that are gaming it and, and playing games and, and aren't what's right, get out of here because yep. because you burn everybody burn you and they burn you and they burn everybody I, I don't i don't want them. but anyway
0: no i think that's real i love that you brought that up and in fact robin and i just had an incident with a candidate that we were working with and i was just like oh rookie mistake rookie mistake because she actually caught it and i was like oh. so but i promise you i'm way more careful now <laughs> But I so, and I just want to stay with you for a second, Kent, because um, you know you are really big on company growth. You just wrote a book about it. Um, you're an expert in you know scaling companies and stuff like that. So you talk about strategic partnerships enabling the growth and profitability. Yeah. And you know, how how do you see companies saving time and money by partnering with like recruiting agencies like yeah. us?
2: Yeah. I I absolutely encourage those partnerships because I tell people, I I don't care where you source the person. I don't care if you use a recruiting agency or not, but you've got to source the talent. Mm -hmm. The other thing is not just the time and money, it's the risk. You guys uh, help manage the risk so much better than anybody could do it on their own. But they never are able to quantify that or they're never, never able to put dollars next to that. But I can, I can tell you exactly because through certain job designs, I can tell you, when you add a salesperson to your team, you've added eight categories of cost. You get that wrong, and I'll measure how many of those categories were deployed in those first six months or nine months, and I can go through those opportunity costs and tell you, well, maybe we could have managed the risk if they would have used a professional uh, recruiter who not only helps manage the risk, because, but you know the background, you might know the history, you'll do the social media checks. You're gonna do so much research and so I tell clients, yeah, time and money, but this risk game is so expensive getting it wrong. Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: And, and I'll just throw some other statistics out there is 98% of all first sales hires fail. And the second ones don't do much better. They rarely ever cover the total categories of cost associated with a salesperson. Although they sell a deal or make quota, that doesn't cover all the costs. Mm-hmm. And, and so you represent, I, and I absolutely, I, I mean, I literally ask CEOs, I like, go, who are your recruiting firms? who do you have relationships with right now and contingency or retained? I'm like, you must have relationships because they already know the people you need. Well, why would you wait, If it, especially a sales hire, why would you wait six months or nine months to try to find that perfect person when they've got their resume right now and that's nine months of potential revenue or sales they could be bringing in? So yeah, you could be cheap or you could be slow and still get it wrong, where you guys represent, and I don't know your contracts, but a lot of recruiters I work with, and I work with a lot, is they have guarantees, uh, they have contingencies on uh, so much time and placement. I mean, you've got a lot of things in your agreements today to help manage those risks. Smart business people understand risk. Lower level managers and people that don't get it, they look at price and cost. Yep. But you've gotta understand about growth and, and running a successful company, and I'm all about not just explosive growth, but what I call creating business wealth you can't afford to make those mistakes and take those risks let these people that have those uh, connections and know the background this is their day job let them help source and put those people in place and all of a sudden great things happen if there is a mistake they're going to help cover for you Yep,
0: that's right we'll find the replacement and it's so interesting that you brought that up because it just brought to mind like so many of my candidates that i work with i don't place them the first time that i engage with them I may not even place them the second time that I engage with them. But eventually, somebody's gonna call me, they're gonna say, hey, I need this. I'm like, I know someone, Mm -hmm. because that's what we do. And we've already vetted them and built that relationship for years. So I could sit here and talk to you guys all day. This has been such great information, but I'd like to open it up to our audience if anybody has any questions that they'd like to ask. Who's gonna be number one?
2: Charles, I saw you. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I don't know if it would be Robin or someone else, but, uh, I mean, you talked about you guys are back in the office 100% of the time and uh, you addressed it as well, but uh, to be able to uh, collaborate and, um, you know, with your teammates and things of that nature, I mean, you've got companies that have built their entire culture around their office and that's what, you, they say, hey, what differentiates yourself from your competition? Well, it's our office environment. Um, and so, I just somebody's thoughts on, you know, you know the hybrid model, or are these companies that have built their entire hiring process, or they're uh, they're separating themselves from the competition by their office environment or their office culture? How do those companies go to a hybrid model, or do anything but go back to being in-office 100% of the time?
1: Go That's a good one. Well,
3: well, I'll take it, take <laughs> it up after you. I was gonna say my form my, my last employer was a company whose culture was that, that way. Um, we had actually talked about remote, you know, opportunities as a retention tool and as a hiring tool. Because in the recruiting process, I was getting so much feedback on the type of positions, and you know, it was pretty pretty embedded into the culture. Um, our accessibility to you know to our customers, the ability to be quick and and, and very rapid in our decision making, right? And, and those things were all the things that led us to be you know top in class in our industry. And so when COVID hit, we just figured out how to do it without it. You know, I tried to do a proof of concept even inside the HR department for our CEO and our our CFO and they really were not open to it. And (laughs) so this was the largest proof of concept ever. Um, They had to, design different communication channels. They had to redeploy their salespeople in, in different methods. There was no longer face-to-face. So the mm-hmm. salespeople had to to relearn how to, to market. And they were also an essential business. So they never shut down either. Yeah. Business went on. And actually, business picked up for them because of this. Um, so, you know, we didn't have any great strategies. It was, you know, mother's the necessity of a or the mother, necessity is the mother of invention. Thank you. <laughs> um, so in that case, you know, we didn't have a plan, but that really shook that culture. Uh, we were trying to do it for a variety of reasons, but
2: again, yeah. my perspective, because I do a lot of cultural transformation work, and and one of the questions I have for executives is, tell me about your culture. Describe it. They usually struggle, and or they argue and debate and. I kind of explain it, well, it's gonna be your, your beliefs, your philosophies, your values. One of these soft areas are gonna create your culture. But at the end of the day, your culture is those things that you do to either um, uh, keep the behavior that you have that you want or penalize the behavior that you don't want. In essence, that's your culture. And my question becomes then to the executives, how do you control that? How, how do you manage your culture today? If they don't have an answer, they're gonna struggle and they're going to hope that their culture works for them or they can leverage it. But if they can get their arms around it and become conscious of, well, here's how we actually reward the right behaviors and here's how we penalize the wrong behaviors. Once you're able to control that and consciously understand it, then you can leverage it out and you can take it digital or you could take it into uh, cyber teams and things like that because you, you consciously understand it. The problem being is few executives really understand their culture, can explain it, articulate it, and talk about how to manage it.
3: There's a great article, it's called Culture Eats Strategy, if you've ever heard of it, and it it's really is the next step to that, about talking about how do you utilize yep. culture versus strategy, because strategy is really paperwork, right? And you can have all the best plans, but if your culture doesn't allow for that strategy, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, one or two things are gonna happen, you're gonna force it through and damage your culture, or you're gonna be unsuccessful, so it's great, great article, if you ever find it. Culture eats strategy.
2: Think of, think of a culture as gravity, oxygen, temperature. You kind of know it's there, but you don't really think about it. Um, strategy being your path or position. And so uh, it is the most powerful force you have, and that's why it's so critical to get your arms around it and, and, and manage it so you can control it. Otherwise, you get what's called a runaway culture, where, where you actually have people that start to come in and start to pull your culture in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Not that we ever see that in politics, but uh, that's the kind of thing. So that's a very important and a great question.
0: Yep. All right, I think we have time for one more question. Any more brave souls out there? Want to ask a question, Therese? Sure, I will. Um, (laughs) um, So going back to the technology piece with video interviews and e-hiring practices um, and the different generations that are, you know, being interviewed and on those platforms, do you see some generations doing better in those interviews versus other generations? Or That's a good kind of
3: just a little bit back mm-hmm. to that.
1: Well, I have my thoughts, but I'm gonna let you go first and then I'll find I'll...
3: Well, I think it's a great question because actually we've had this conversation at my company and with my HR team. Um, to me, it was a little counterintuitive mm-hmm. that the younger generation that is so, you know, tech savvy mm-hmm. is so bad <laughs> at interviewing <laughs> via technology. Yeah. They're incredibly casual. Yeah. And this is a work environment, right? Mm-hmm. Even though we're distant, this is a professional, you know, process you're going through. And they haven't either learned or they don't understand that, you know, being in your pajamas and your hair up in a messy bun and, you know, your cat's running around behind Mm -hmm. you, you know, you know the technology. There are filters. Blur it out. Make it look like you're in Paris. Do whatever. (laughs) 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 Manage it somehow. Uh, And, you know, you're incredibly casual in the kind of the the interaction. So that was, to me, the biggest surprise when this all started happening was the, the one generation I thought would be so much better at this actually turned out to be not so great at
1: it. <laughs> I, I, well, I'll agree. I, 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 I said the same thing in my daughter when during the pandemic when it hit. It was an interesting thing for my daughter. She's a manager of a grocery chain. And she came in and asked me, why are you always dressing up like you're at home? Why would you continue to do that? And I said, because that's what I do. I go to work whether I'm physically in the office or I'm here. And it was interesting her to just give me this puzzled look like, But I'm going to work, too, but I wouldn't get dressed like that. And I'm like, but you would if you were in front of people. There's no difference. Like, you're losing respect for the people that you're in front of if you're not respecting them all the time. And it was interesting. As we've interviewed a multitude of people uh, during the pandemic, uh, you're right. uh, We do see that, you know, there is a level of professionalism in the older generations or, you know, older people that, know what going to the office is and then there are some that are very casual and very you know to themselves and like if that it's also the flip side of the coin too because if they feel like they don't fit they may really don't give 110 percent in the interview which is also an interesting thing to watch for because you can see it on them like oh well they're suit and tie people i don't want to do nothing with that right so uh it's, it's very interesting to watch And i don't know if you saw that too but it's They may be interviewing for that job, but if they see the the different look, then they kind of back away. But it's just interesting. You're right. Uh, We are seeing the millennial generation become kind of force employers to go their direction versus them adapting to our Mm -hmm. old hat of wearing a suit and tie direction or
2: adopting our culture. They're creating their own. So, uh, yeah, I got thrown off off-kilter the other day. So I've been interviewing uh, interns from SMU and some of the other colleges, and I definitely wanna do a, 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 a social media interview with Zoom or GoToMeeting or one of those. And I was talking to one of them, I said, when can we set up an um, a, 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 a interview and video conference? And they wrote back, it was interesting, can We FaceTime right now.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. And then
2: I was like, wait, FaceTime? No, no, we can't do interviews. In space. And right now? No, we can't. Do it. <laughs> so it was, and they were like, let's do it right now. Let's do FaceTime. And I'm like, I mean, I was really caught off guard. And I, I didn't mean to feel old. I was just like, no, we can't. No, that's not it. It's got to be structured. It's got to be laid out. So it's just interesting how they were like, yeah, let's just do FaceTime right now. Let's yeah. talk. And, and I'm like, okay, i gotta, I got to keep morphing myself. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was awesome. Well, guys, y'all have been awesome, and I thank you so much. But nobody gets out of here without answering our VIP questions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to make you all answer all three of them, but I am going to pick on you a little bit. So I think this first question is going to one. Okay. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three (laughs) things or people would you take with you?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Obviously, I'm going to probably take my wife. Uh, uh, We know there's some life that may have been found on Mars, but not quite yet. So there's not enough oxygen, so we're going to need some air. And I think the third thing I'm going to take, that's a tough one. I think it's going to have to be, oh... I, I think it's got to be my Bible. That's probably going to be the third thing I okay. take. You know? <laughs> okay. So, I stay love, centered.
0: I love to see the assumptions people make with that question. It was it was written very vaguely intentionally. Oh, yeah. yeah, you don't know if there's a colony up there. You don't know if there's air up there. I don't. So you don't know what you <laughs> need to take. But I love people's answers. Get some interesting ones. Okay, Kent. What is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success?
2: <laughs> this is going to sound really crazy. I, I'm now... A YouTuber. I've been accepted into the YouTube Partner Program. I have a a side business called Intense Glamping. And
0: I love to glamp. And it's monetized. <laughs> so
2: go to Intense Glamping on YouTube. It's now monetized. So I get uh, I get ad revenue and I get uh, uh, affiliate links and it it creates money. And I start every morning. I go into the YouTube management channel and I see all the dancing bars to see how many views, like three, three or four thousand views today, and, and and then the money and all the other stuff, and I just, that starts my day, and it just gives me this energy about, wow, this is so cool, and this is so much fun, and it's so outside corporate, uh, but I love the feedback, the comments about, hey, I've, I've always been a camper, and now you're teaching me about tin clamping, and I love this, and the guy goes, you're a genius. I mean, it, it just kind of gives me an energy, and my uh, Vistage group was just telling me, they're like, Wow, you don't get charged up like that over your book or all the other <laughs> stuff you do. I said, "Yeah, there's just there's just this feedback loop and energy that you get." So I start my day uh, looking at my YouTube channel, see how we're doing, and I have a 11 year old who's like, "My dad's a tuber," uh, <laughs> and uh, he likes at it too, sees how we're doing, and what we can talk about, and how we can optimize the videos and stuff. So anyway, that that just gets me going. And it's that is and awesome. A, that and a cup of coffee and I'm going.
0: Yeah, <laughs> intenting in intense.
2: Is- Glamping. So if you think of camping in tents, uh-huh. it's a play on word, in tents, all one word, glamping. And it's it's these air tents that are coming out of Europe, uh, where half the tents over there today don't have metal poles. They have air tubes that you inflate with a, a bicycle pump or electric pump, and they, inflate. they have windows and zones. And we'll camp for seven, ten days wow And weather and cold and stormy and rainy and we we you can cook in part of your tent we entertain in part of our tent we've had 12 people in one of our tents and then there's a sleep zone in the back so intense going go on go right now to youtube <laughs> Everybody's got <their> phones out. <laughs> i just had a friend at a meeting and he's from the uk and he goes i didn't know about those things and it's just taking the camping world over by storm I started this about five years ago, the channel about two years ago, and it's just so much
0: fun. Okay, I just have to say something, Steve. No. No, that's not what I consider glamping. No, I mean,
2: oh, watch, go to this channel, your jaw's gonna drop because people will say, wow, that's better than an RV home. That's better than the structured place we paid $1,000 a night for. Wow. Wait till you see these tents and the layouts and the gear and all that. That's an original answer to that question. (laughs) 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 So that's what gets me going.
0: Okay. Robin, you get my last VIP question. So if your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be?
3: Hmm. Well, hopefully it would be, she came, she saw, she made a difference.
0: I love that, that just gave me chills. She made a difference. Okay, guys, um, starting with Juan, how do people find you, connect with you if they want to learn more about you?
1: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Just look up Juan Fernandez on LinkedIn. Be happy to connect with anybody that uh, wants to connect. We'd right.
0: love to. And, and I'm going to recommend that if you're connecting with our panelists on LinkedIn, make sure you send a message. That's mm-hmm. that's a hint. Always do that. Send a message when you're connecting with somebody. And let them know that you saw them on the We Are VIP 100th episode. So, Robin,
3: how do people find you? Same way, I'm on LinkedIn, Robin Pittis. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to connect.
2: Yeah. So, revenuegrowthcompany.com, all spelled out, and I have blogs, articles, building teams, and all that. And then my book, two chapters on strategic alliances, mm-hmm. in, in, including recruiters and all that. And then this whole uh, chapter on talent optimization how you attract, acclimate, develop, and care. To optimize the people that you're bringing on board the talent so um that book's available through amazon mark cuban wrote the forward for it so i forgot to mention uh, that go go out and and read that book if you're serious about business success and creating wealth you want to get on that roadmap. so
0: yeah i believe he said that he wished he'd had that book when he first got started in business
2: yeah so that'd be worth what 10 billion
0: right (laughs) (laughs) come on now so all right guys thank you so much for being on the podcast today before we wrap up i just want to say Thank you to our managing partners at VIP for having such great forward thinking and insight as to start a podcast. And you know, here we sit on the 100th episode and I'd be very remiss if I didn't mention Marissa Bowery who has been there with me since day one, helping to drive this thing along. And then our producer Trey Giles, he's around here somewhere. Um, I just couldn't do it without these people. So they keep us going. But for now, I have one more thing to say to you panelists. You are all VIPs.
1: next 100 action <laughs>
0: Action! Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. Today I am super excited because we are recording our 100th episode, and so we are doing this with a panel of extraordinary experts to talk to you about the future of
1: hiring...
2: So, Trey, everybody, come up here, come up here,
3: so
0: everybody, everybody, so Trey has been our producer since episode number one, and, and Trey, who are we? We're Shaq and Penny. We're Shaq and Penny, because we work so well together, It's so we wanted to get you a little something. So, Mike has one. I love it. That is hilarious. And then, in addition to that, because we know you're such a Mavs fan, we wanted to get you this. Oh, man. That is dope. (laughs) This autographed by the team?
2: Yeah.
1: That's crazy.
0: I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all so much.
2: Thank y'all so much. I
0: appreciate it. More than your uh, oh. Come on. I, heard. I, like I
3: know
0: you don't, but too bad. <laughs> so I have to tell the story of how Marissa got here. So Marissa was hired. We'd already scheduled our production meeting with uh, Real News. Right on the side! <laughs> this is important, this is about Marissa. <laughs> So anyway, we'd already scheduled our production meeting to start talking about our podcast. We had nothing in the works at the time. Marissa shows up. It's her first day, which also happens to be the day of our first production meeting. And I'm like, don't you think Marissa should go with us? And the the guys are like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. Thank God. I could not have done this without her. And so in appreciation, because this isn't just me doing the 100th, this is you and Trey and the partners and everybody, we got you a little gift.
1: Thank you so much. That's so sweet. I appreciate you right. guys. I hate so. All right, you. You done. guys have no idea how much Marissa does, she's this. amazing.